If you've been told to move more and eat less, to lose weight with Hashimoto's, and it is simply a calories in, calories out equation, this podcast is for you. I am Dr. Emily Kybird. I'm a chiropractor. I help women with Hashimoto's learn how to work out without the burnout so they can boost their energy and lose weight. Today, I have on a very special guest, Kim Shaper. She is a speaker, holistic wellness coach, certified personal trainer, and she helps women in their 30s and 40s and beyond with their hormones. She has clients ranging from professional triathletes to busy lawyers, mom, entrepreneurs. She speaks to the successful women who have built an incredible life just like herself, yet suffers from stress, health issues, and hormone issues. When Kim was first dealing with her own health issues, she was told by her doctors to just drink more coffee to get over her crushing fatigue. She knew that there had to be another way and didn't rest until she found it. As a result, Kim's expertise and customized coaching style has helped hundreds of women bring their hormones back into balance, lose incredible amounts of weight, and reclaim the gift of a good night's sleep and have traded their chronic stress in for a regular state of relaxation. I'm so excited to have her on today. If you're curious about weight loss, which I'm sure you are, it is one of the biggest struggles with Hashimoto's along with fatigue. I am doing a masterclass, three-part live masterclass series starting a week from now. We're going to talk about how to eat to lose weight with Hashimoto's, how to work out to lose weight with Hashimoto's. And then the third part is how to identify and diagnose root triggers or causes contributing to that weight gain or holding on to that inflammatory load with Hashimoto's. Some things we'll talk about are mold and mycotoxins. What is an autoimmune paleo protocol? Is intermittent fasting for you? Should I be doing walking or should I be lifting weights? Is Pilates enough? We're going to talk about all the things. So if you're interested in this masterclass, go to Dr. Emily Kybert dot com forward slash weight loss. Again, it's Dr. Emily Kybird, my name, dot com forward slash weight loss. It is totally free, three part live masterclass series, all on weight loss with Hashimoto's. When I was first diagnosed, I had gained about 50 pounds. And through these strategies that I'm going to share with you, lost those 50 pounds. I said about 140 these days. And some of the things I wish I had known when I first started my Hashimoto's journey. I wish my very first GP had told me, but they didn't. So I am sharing it with you so that you can ask better questions of your doctors. All right, let's dive in. Kim Shaper, welcome to Thyroid Strong Podcast. I'm super excited to have you on. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I really, really appreciate it. Love your stuff and I'm really pumped to be here. So thanks for having me. What kind of women do you work with? You have a very specific niche. My ideal kind of client is someone that I think there's a lot of them out there. Women who are really over 40, noticing that, you know, they can't do what they used to do. They're more tired. They're fatigued. They have more brain fog. They honestly feel like they're walking around just trying to keep their head above water, trying to do all the things that they used to do, but they just notice they don't have the the capability to or the bandwidth to be able to handle just stress in general. And then just, you know, women from just like a body perspective, a lot of them are noticing they're holding more weight in their stomach and that their their bodies are just changing and that what used to, what used to work earlier on just no longer works anymore. There's a big, I'm going to say, population of professionals, PhDs, MDs, that simply are like, 
calories in, calories out, mm-hmm. just move more, eat less. Mm-hmm. And so I know that the women you've worked with and I've worked with as well have been told this message and then they get frustrated because it's not working. So, and you even see sometimes on Instagram, some people be like, you know, if someone tells you you need to balance your hormones, they're a quack. And it's like, yeah. well, they're, this is actually important. So, and I love because you do have a lot of transformation photos on your Instagram of just like tremendous body transformations and change in body composition. So for the people who have been told, it's just simply move more, eat less. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of go into like why it's more than just that, especially for the women over 40? Yeah, I love that. Love that question. And, you know, for starters, a lot of women get that from their regular doctor. So they'll go to their OB, they'll go to their general practitioner. And it's the same thing. It's like one or two things. Okay. If you're feeling depressed or down, let's put you on an antidepressant. If your hormones are off, let's put you on a birth control and just focus on eating 1200 calories and just focus on moving more. And so many women leave just in utter disbelief because they're like, I've tried all that and it doesn't work. So, you know, I I think there's such a misconception. Again, I love Western medicine. I think it's great. I'm not dogging it, especially if you, you know, need open heart surgery or CAT scan or whatever. But when it comes to women and fatigue and brain fog and weight gain, there's just not a lot of to help women in that area. And so, you know, the whole calories in, calories out, absolutely, it is important. If you are sitting around and taking lots of food, you're going to gain weight. If you are eating a little less, you're going to lose weight. However, what I've seen time and time again are the women who come to us that are like, I already eat less. I'm already, you know, doing more activity and my body isn't changing. I used to do that and it worked and it doesn't work anymore. And so the way I see it, it's it's not so black or white. It's not just, okay, calories or it's just my hormones. Because quite candidly, sometimes women are like, oh, I know it's my hormones, but yet they're eating like dog crap and, you know, they're not doing other things. So I would say hands down when it comes to calories in, calories out and hormones, like I mentioned, it's both. And so the reason why I say that is because as we get older our sex hormones, which are our estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, those all start to drop. And so what often happens is when those sex hormones are dropping, whereas in our 20s, they're optimal. We want to, you know, we, we get pregnant easier. We have great skin. We're feeling awesome. Whereas as we're moving into our 40s, even mid-30s, you're going to have an issue because with those lower sex hormones, you're often, the, the hormone that's often going to take over more is your cortisol. And so the reason is a lot of women start having issues around cortisol and insulin sensitivity where they might notice that their blood sugar is off. So they're, they're more antsy on carbs or they don't, they feel like that they can't, they look at carbs and they gain weight or whatever that may be. Or they noticing that they're just more high strung, that their nervous system just isn't able to relax. So they're kind of wired and tired all the time. I think that's a a huge issue in society today. And I I think that's a a big reason why so many women are constantly feeling stuck, not only from the hormonal perspective, but a lot of gut health issues are very prevalent too. Autoimmune issues, you know that, right? So lots of inflammatory stuff going on. And with the food system the way it is and, you know, our soils being crap and, you know, just our environmental toxins and the amount of stress women have on their bodies. I mean, it's it's unbelievable the amount of stress. And I, I truly believe 
just from a physiological level and psychological level, your body doesn't know where the stress is coming from. We all have emotional stress, perceived stress. A lot of women think, oh, well, I'm doing all the things, right? But yet they are honestly an emotional basket case. So they don't know how to fully regulate themselves. And so the body is constantly churning with all of this internal stress, whether they see it or not. And you're just, you're feeding that inflammation. You're feeding the autoimmunity stuff. So it's, it's not as clear as, oh, calories in, calories out. If it was, you wouldn't have millions and millions of women struggling. Yeah. So when someone comes to you, because I'm going to assume that someone comes to you mainly for like change in body composition, weight loss. Is that yes. accurate? Yes, yeah. Me and honestly, just feeling better. Yeah. I'm feeling better. Yeah. So Obviously, there's these different components, right? There's like the environmental triggers, there's gut health, there's the emotional, the stress piece. And then there's, are you sleeping? Are you working out? Are you eating well? Yes. <laughs> so many things. Yeah. So how do you kind of distill it down, simplify? Where do you start? Because that can feel overwhelming for a woman who knows nothing Absolutely. about how to lose weight. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, honestly, you know, what we really start with, Emily, is just we look at the nutrition. We look at that. How are you eating? Someone might say, but I'm eating really healthy. But then on the weekends, they're, you know, drinking a lot or having a lot of processed foods. So we we do a deep dive into their nutrition. And then we also look at what is your day to day? Like, Sarah, what does your day to day look like? Like, what are you doing during the day? And often, when we're able to dig a bit deeper, they a lot of the stuff starts to come out. Well, you know, honestly, I'm not in the best marriage or, you know, I haven't been sleeping well or, you know, my stress is out of control right now. I don't like my job. My boss is a jerk, whatever it may be. So we we really dig into, honestly, just the woman's biofeedback in the beginning. Like, OK, what is we have them fill out a super detailed questionnaire. So we have an understanding of what what's your lifestyle really? And then how can we implement a few healthy things to start and meet you where you are? And then just, you know, adding a little thing, a few things here and there. Because too much of it is, yes, very overwhelming for the client. It's like taking a history, like as if your doctor was taking an intake mm-hmm. at like a subjective objective. And I kind of wish, you know, all of our doctors did this, you know, just oh, on the yeah. basic. And yeah. I know it would take way more time and more energy, not covered by insurance. So you talk about optimizing metabolism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can you speak to, in a very simple term, yes. what is a woman's metabolism and how it changes, you know, kind of once we hit 40? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so in regards to metabolism, one thing I love so much is that it's important to remember that the metabolism is adaptive. And so I think so many times people think, oh, my God, my metabolism is damaged. You know, it's super slow. The reality is, is your metabolism kind of meets you where you are. So let's say that you are eating 1,200 calories. Okay, well, your metabolism is going to adapt to that 1,200 calories. And if you're throwing lots of intense exercise on that, you're adding more stress to your metabolism. So I want you to think of your metabolism almost like a rubber band. So let's say you have a rubber band and you have it between your two thumbs and you're slowly pulling. And let's say that one of your stresses is a really, you know, killer workout. So you add a little tension there and then it bounces back. Let's say that, you know, you you didn't sleep too well the night before, but you normally sleep well. Okay, a little bit of tension bounces back. 
But what often happens in the simplest way I like to say it is your metabolism is going to adapt in a negative way when you have an immense amount of tension on your body. So when you are eating super low calorie, when you are training really hard, when you are very stressed, it is going to downregulate your metabolism. And when I say that, I want you to think of the metabolism in regards to your thyroid, right? So you often hear, oh, I have low thyroid. Often low thyroid can be a sign of, you know, metabolic dysfunction. Same with gut health. Same with you know, your your sex hormones being low. That's as if, let's pretend that, again, you're super stressed. What I often see are women who, are, for the life of them, they can't get pregnant. But the minute they stop obsessing and having stress around it, they're able to get pregnant. So the way I really like to view the metabolism in, in, in simplistic terms is when you have a mass amount of tension and, and suppression on your metabolism with lots of external and internal stresses, it is going to be affected. But if you are releasing some of the tension off your body, whatever that may be, you know, saying no to your PTA meeting, eating a, a healthier lunch that's, you know, more balanced, whatever it may be, your metabolism is, is going to appreciate that. And you're just going to feel better. You're going to have more energy. You're not going to be freezing and have massive brain fog and de be depressed and, and all of those things. Yeah. So you have a 3M metabolic method. Mm -hmm. yes. Can you break that down? Because I love when people simplify, for especially because mm -hmm. like the Hashi ladies are super brain fogged. I've, I've totally yes. been there, right? They like start yes. a sentence, they can't finish it. And I love that you have kind of put it into this, I guess you could say digestible format that's, mm -hmm. that's simplified. Yeah, absolutely. So, and again, one thing I just love so much about what you do is you really offer a lot of support with women when it comes to Hashimoto's and exercise. And that's one of our pillars because for M3, we have the metabolism, mindset, and movement. And so again, with the metabolism piece, we try to remove as much stress from the client as possible. The reality is you're always going to have stress, regardless what it may be. But how can you create in ebb and flow? How can you create less stress, allowing your body to be more resilient where you're not feeling chronically exhausted all the time? And so with the metabolism in regards to that, again, we go back to how are you eating? How are you moving? How are you sleeping? How's your stress? Stress and sleep don't have calories, but they absolutely impact how you thrive and how you feel. I cannot stress the importance of sleep. It helps with inflammation. It helps with all of the things. I think we undermine that. But in regards to the M3 method with the metabolism, again, we work hard on making sure the client is nourished. We have many women coming in that are way underfed and they're still convinced that the 1200 calorie or less is going to be most beneficial for them. When in reality, probably very similar to you, it is about eating for your body, getting your body strong and healthy and not chronically being in a deficit because you're not doing yourself any favors around that. So that's a big piece of what we do. Then the the mindset piece is huge because I think we're still so conditioned that we have to be as small as possible. We, ha we have to be quiet. We can't say things. We can't rock the boat. And what I found to be so cool is women who are not only starting to feel better, they're then able to realize, well, gosh, as I'm feeling better and, and I have more energy and I feel more you know, physiologically more energetic per se, I'm realizing that 
hey, this marriage isn't for me, or hey, I'm not too fond about my friendships now. They just start changing and they notice that it's multifaceted and it bleeds into other areas of their life. And I love that. And without the mindset piece, you truly cannot get to where you want to be. Yet I get it when you are feeling like crap, mentally, you don't want to do much. And it is easy to stay in that down state, you know, that kind of fog. So the mindset's huge. We teach a lot on that and and learning just to change limiting beliefs and, you know, just past identities and really leaning into who it is that you want to be. And then finally, the movement piece is very important as well. It's not about Often it's not about doing more. It's really about finding the balance that feels best for you. And as I say, that you want to you want to go into a workout and feel rejuvenated, not annihilated. And so many women get so caught up in I have to sweat a bunch and I have to get my heart rate really high. And unless I'm not doing these things, then the workout doesn't count. We still have women who are defiant about walking. They're like, why do I need to walk? Like, I would rather run and burn more calories. And I'm like, but that's not the point, you know? So movement, again, you're very great at that too, is, is really about finding that balance. And for the women that have autoimmune diseases, I think it is very important to find that, that sweet spot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, you have women resistance train three mm-hmm. times a week? Yes. Three or four, give three or take. Three or four. Yes. Yep. And then they're walking every day, every other day? Yeah, they walk most days. We want them getting some sort of movement in, even if it's like 20 minutes, 10 minutes. But yeah, we're, we're all about movement. But again, finding, finding that balance. But if they can walk every day, amazing. That's, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned building resilience. Mm-hmm. So how do you do this with your women? That's a great question. So I think it's both mind and body. So when it comes to resilience, there's there's a, a therapy method that I absolutely swear by. And this is just my personal opinion. And it's DBT. It's called dialectical behavioral therapy. And what I love so much about that therapy, I went through it after my own journey. And what I love so much is it's not just your cognitive stuff. It's not just, okay, change your thoughts and have affirmations. It is very tangible, practical things that you can apply in everyday life. So you'll go to your therapy session, but then they give you essential homework and tools that you can use outside of the session to keep yourself regulated. So in regards to a sense of resilience, you know, we we want to create little wins. So it might honestly just be where, hey, let's make sure that you're getting three servings of vegetables in most days of the week. So we, we like to start small with small little wins. So then that way, in turn, it creates more resilience within them. But in, re- in regards to a bit more of like stress regulation, we're all about walks in nature, getting outside, you know, petting your, your pets, spending time with your loved ones, laughing. I mean, laughing is so underrated. We, we forget, yes, we're adults, but it's okay to have fun too. And so it's, it's almost kind of taking yourself almost to the threshold, but then realizing that, okay, this is a little bit uncomfortable, but I can handle it. Kind of like a, a cold plunge where it's like, oh gosh, this is hard. It's uncomfortable, but yet I'm still okay and I can move through it. So one of my favorite methods in DBT therapy is something called observe where your feet are. And so what I love about this is there's actually, I actually have two. We're observing where your feet are. One thing that is so common in women is we get super revved up and stressed and anxious 
when we're time traveling. So when we're focused on the past or we're focused on the future. So the past often creates a bit more depression. What ifs? We often glorify the past. So maybe you go back in your mind and ruminate about when you were a certain size and you're like, gosh, I want to be back there. But we often forget there was a lot of BS that came with being that certain size. So again, we, we ruminate, what ifs, depression, that sort of thing. Then when we're time traveling to the future, there's often anxiety and worry and fear. So when I am like, okay, bring it back to your feet, bring it back to the present moment, often relinquishes some of that stress. And they're able to be more present, more focused. And they literally will look at where their feet are. So my feet are on a hardwood floor right now. I do this a lot when I, when I notice I'm time traveling. That helps a lot with stress resilience because the nervous system isn't getting chronically jacked up. And if it is, they can regulate themselves quicker by being more present. One other thing I love too is um, when you, when you, again, when you, when you find your head's getting squirrely and you're getting anxious and you notice that, you know, you're getting hot and flustered and you maybe feel burning in your body, if you will, I do the five senses. So I, I become very present in the present moment. I'm like, okay, what do I smell? Maybe it's the burning candle. What do I hear? Maybe I hear birds outside. You know, what am I touching? Maybe I'm touching the mat underneath my computer keyboard. So that really brings you back to the present as well. And I, I just wholeheartedly believe when it comes to stress resilience, you have to find ways. Number one, brings you back to the present moment. Number two, that brings you a sense of joy. I just find that to be imperative for just, yeah, stress resilience and feeling good. Not everything has to be so serious all the time. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Going back to sleep, because a lot of Hashi ladies have trouble sleeping. They're exhausted all day and then they lay down finely horizontal and they feel tired, but wired. Yeah. What kind of recommendations do you have for that woman that's struggling with that kind of symptom? Yeah, I love that. And I have Hashimoto's too, so I get it. But, you know, sleep, I think, again, super important. So what I like to focus on, keeping it super simple, is really optimizing your light exposure. So I'm really big with women trying, especially I know it's winter in a lot of areas, but trying to get some sort of sunlight first thing in the morning. Ideally, if you can go outside, even better. Sure, you can go in front of the window, but you really, you really want to try and get outside. And it's not like you have to directly look at the sun, but allow the sun to come on your face and your ocular nerve without having sunglasses on. That's a big one. That actually helps increase testosterone, but that helps kind of uptick your circadian rhythm. Many times we are so focused on working late, looking at the blue light screen. Another thing that I highly recommend is um, around four o'clock as the sun's starting to set, get outside again, then come back in, start the the process of slowing down. You know, I think a lot of us tend to work late, whereas I think the majority of the time work should be first thing in the morning when you have had a good night's sleep, focus on the high-end tasks, things that need to get done. And then as the, the day progresses, you can lean more into creativity if you want. So reading a little bit of research, but, you know, trying to eat at a time that's not 10 o'clock at night. If you unwind and you are looking at the TV, wear blue light blockers. You know, I drink warm tea. Sleepy time tea is great. You can find that at any grocery store. I also swear by the chili pad. I swear by this thing. It's I do too. Of, do you have one? I do. 
oh my God, it's the best. It's the best. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So yeah. And it and for those of you that don't know, it's like basically moving your legs around in cold sheets in wintertime. It just feels amazing. So that helps a lot with sleep for me. Those would probably be the the biggest things. Magnesium is great at night too, but just you have to have that healthy nighttime routine that is is basically your body's getting into the flow of okay, it's getting close to nighttime. It's getting close to bedtime. Yeah. Do you think that someone who does not have their thyroid hormones optimized or let's say managed. Yeah. Is it possible for them to lose weight? It is, but I think it's going to be much harder and it's going to take a longer time. You know, I think there's, there's often two camps I've noticed is you have the super hardcore, you need medicine, you need all these things um, prescription medicine. And then you have the other side where it's like, no, everything has to be natural. You have to supplement with all these things. I've seen so many women honestly suffering by trying to constantly do it naturally without any medication. And I'm not saying one way or the other is bad, but I think you have to bring it back to the center and really look at Okay, number one, am I doing everything possible? Because you can go on meds, but if you're still running around like a stress cadet and you're going 100 miles an hour and living off coffee and not eating, yeah, your your metabolism and your thyroid is going to suck. But if you are getting proper nutrients and your digestion is good and you're able to be kind of in a calm space most of the day, believe it or not, you want to be in more of that parasympathetic state like 80% or more of the day. And a lot of us are not. We're and the opposite. So we wonder why we have bloating and autoimmune diseases and, and those sort of things. But I do to a certain point, because a lot of the clients we work with, they try a lot of the natural stuff, even for six months to a year, and they're doing all the things, but it's still not moving very effectively. So I think it really depends on the individual because it's not just about the medication. As you know, you have to look at the woman as a whole. Yeah. When someone plateaus mm -hmm. in their weight loss, mm -hmm. what kind of strategies do you start to, like, where, where does the mind go? Like, okay, maybe we take a shift or how does the strategies change? That's such a great question. So again, I, I think it kind of depends on the person. So we actually had a lady recently. She's She just kind of stalled out. And so we were trying different things. We're like, all right, let's look at your food diary, like be super consistent. So we kind of know where your nutrition bad. You know, some women are need to be increased in calories. Some women are like plateau coming in and they wonder why they have so much inflammation and bloating and they're just not eating enough. So sometimes that makes a difference, slowly increasing calories. Sometimes clients are eating too much. So we cut back on certain things like alcohol or just extra snacks and bites they don't need. We just had a client who we have been trying everything for six months and she finally got her stool testing back and she had SIBO and H. pylori. And so that was a big factor in her inability to lose weight. And so now that she is reducing the inflammation, getting her gut under control, she's feeling a million times better. So I think it it's not so clear cut, but I would say it's either an increase in calories, a slight decrease in calories, looking at the gut health, looking at stress. We have some women that are night shift workers and it's hard. It's hard to get them to 
lose any weight because they're not sleeping, they're stressed, their food's all over the place. So we try our best, but sometimes you have to honestly take responsibility for your life as well and look at what needs to change. Because you can say you're doing all the things, but are you really? Like, what do you specifically need to double down on? And what is just some low-hanging fruit you can start eliminating? But as I said earlier, it's it really comes down to sleep and stress too. If they're not sleeping and they're super stressed, they're not going to lose weight. Yeah. So, yeah. So obviously motivation, quote unquote motivation, or like keeping the momentum, especially for like the movement piece, exercise, lifting, uh, can be tricky for some women, right? Especially if they're low energy and fatigued. How do you help women stay on track, not fall off the bandwagon, stay quote unquote motivated Mm -hmm. and keeping, continuing to take those steps forward? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I the first thing I think of is is just accountability, having a coach that you enjoy, having a coach that motivates you and encourages you and that basically kind of, you know, holds you accountable. Like if you don't get this done, I'm calling you out. I have a coach that I will whether I use him or someone else, it's it's imperative for me because it holds me accountable. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. So I think the accountability piece is big and showing up not only for yourself, but for someone else. I also think, you know, you know, the whole term progressive overload, but basically where you're adding more advanced exercises or heavier weight over time and the women get inspired. So they're like, oh, wow, I remember when I could only lift 10 pounds and now I can do 20 or wow, I didn't know I could. Now I can hold a, a plank with a weight on my back versus before I couldn't even do a plank. So, you know, having different milestones like, hey, let's try and accomplish a push up by week eight or whatever it may be. But I think having different milestones goes a long way. And then I I also think you, it also has to be where, because some women just don't enjoy it. They dread exercise. So you, we chase a feeling, right? So we all want to feel good. And so by chasing that feeling, of course, it can be detrimental if we, you know, want to do cocaine and heroin all day. But if we want to exercise and eat well and move our body, we often feel so much better. So we really dig into who is it that you want to be? What do you want your identity to be? Not so much what's your end goal. Like, what is it that you want to do? Who is it that you want to be? And what does that person embody on a day-to-day basis? And you just sometimes just have to do it, you know? I don't know if that's the right answer, but that's what we try. Yeah. If someone went to their primary care GP, there's probably some basic blood work, maybe like a CBC chem panel, maybe. What kind of testing do you guys use? So for example, you mentioned a stool test Mm -hmm. outside of what someone will probably just find at their primary care. Oh, yes. Million dollar question here. So so many tests, (laughs) potentially. I know. And honestly, you just start with, see what your doctor will run first. If your doctor is not, you know, my guess is that especially if we're talking about thyroid, they'll probably run, they will run your TSH, but they might do T4, maybe, maybe not. I'm a big component of free T3. That's your metabolically active thyroid hormone. That says a lot about just your mood and metabolism. So I think the free T3 is important. If you can get the TPO antibodies, that's great to look at Hashimoto's. I've also, you know, for for me and the company, I've noticed that there's really four main components that women struggle with most. And that's high cortisol, insulin resistance, estrogen dominance, and low thyroid. 
And so when you look at all of those, number one, I think trying to get as many markers as you can for your thyroid. I would also highly re recommend looking at your fasting glucose and your A1C, which your doctors will normally run. I would also look at your fasting insulin. I'm a big component of C-reactive protein, which is your inflammatory marker. That says a lot about your health. Um, I'm also big on, you know, that most of the doctors will say they're running the hormones, but it might just be your LH and FSH, which is follicular and luteal. And those are just basically different parts of your cycle. If you don't track your cycle, I highly recommend doing that. And one of my favorite apps is Clue. And that way it helps you understand where your mood is too, because you can be having really high cravings and being super emotional. But one of the best things is you go on the app and it's like, yes, I'm starting my period tomorrow. It makes sense. And then sometimes it's like, no, my period's two weeks away and I'm just having one of those days. But I love the Clue app. That way you can track and see where you are in your cycle. And then you'll have a better understanding of when you should get your hormones done, especially for hormones. Even if it is just LH and FSH, you want to go between days 17 and 21 to get your hormones run. That's the most optimal time. So FSH, LH, great. But see if you can get your testosterone, your free T testosterone, your estradiol, progesterone. You know, you can try DHEA. I also really love vitamin D. It's a big one for thyroid. You know, 12 is another one for energy production. I also like looking at iron and ferritin levels. A lot of women with Hashimoto's have low ferritin and iron issues. Let's see, you can look at for serum labs, you can look at cortisol, but it's just one marker. And oftentimes we're stressed trying to get to the doctor's office or draw the blood so it's not going to be super accurate. Those would probably be the, the biggest ones. Homocysteine maybe. But I would just, honestly, I would just push and try to get whatever you can. And then at least you have a better understanding of what's going on. But also you want to have someone that once you get the results, okay, now what? Right? You want someone yeah. that can interpret that. So yeah. that's important too. Yeah. What about some testing that's outside of laboratory testing? So for example, like you mentioned gut health or checking for environmental triggers. Are there some tests that you like to employ for those, for checking that kind of stuff? Yeah, great question. So just for us in general, we do start with blood serum because we can get a lot of data from that. Um, but we also enjoy the Dutch testing and five-point cortisol saliva testing. What I do like about the Dutch and saliva is you can be pretty accurate with the hormone profile. It also has the five-point cortisol testing, which a lot of women struggle with cortisol imbalances, and that causes a lot of fatigue. And then that kind of feeds into some of the sleep issues as we talked about earlier in the light exposure. But but yeah, we do like the saliva as well because that way we can, you know, dive a bit deeper in your hormones, look at your your adrenals and cortisol levels and DHEA. But for us, for what we do, we start with the blood serum and then if we feel like they need after we look at those labs and we feel like they need the saliva, we do that next just for like cost purposes. We do stool testing as well. There's a couple different ones. I love the ones. There's, I think it's a gut zoomer from Vibrant America. I'm, I'm honestly not super proud of their customer service, but you can test for, you know, SIBO and mitotoxins and, you know, mold exposure and all of that stuff. So those are some good tests too. But I know that I think it's Everly Well might have some decent ones. I haven't done enough research on those, but you can get some some testing done on your own if your doctor isn't willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. There's definitely more and more companies coming out 
Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it's like out of pocket, but I guess still tests yeah. are out of pocket anyway. But most yeah. of them are. I know. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd love for you to just chat really quick about how I think a lot of women think that being thin equals being fit. Right. And for a long time, we kind of, I know in my 20s, at least strived to like be thinner. Um, and then I got really sick. And, <laughs> and so I think it's important for women to just hear maybe why. You know, you see someone on the street who's thin, that doesn't mean that they're healthy, that they're fit, that they've got health in check, that they feel good, that that outward appearance might not be reflecting internally what's going on. Oh, yes. And I, I see this a lot, you know, and I, you know, I, I think, again, society pushes that where if someone is a bit more, and I think it's getting a lot better, but like the emaciated look, like the Kate Moss thing and yeah. what have you. I think just honestly, we have a lot of women coming into the program and not a lot, I would say a significant amount for the most part. And they, you know, they're like, okay, I I just really want to feel better. I worked so hard on being thin for so long. Now I just feel like shit, like I'm bloated all the time. And I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm just holding so much water and stuff in my stomach and I just don't feel good. I'm ready to feel better. And so, you know, I think it's really important to look at that everybody's healthy at different shapes and sizes. And so what I push, you know, even though some people are against progress photos, what I share is a true testament of a woman going through her own journey in a healthy, sustainable way, not these drastic, okay, I'm, you know, maybe I'm struggling with extra body fat and now I'm super, super lean because you can't, you know, you can't maintain that look either. So, you know, it's really about not so much being thin. It's like, how do you want to feel? Do you want to feel your best? Because, yeah, there's sometimes women that are like, I want to be a lower level on the scale, but I'm sleeping amazingly. I have great sex drive. My energy is awesome. Like everything is great. I'm like, OK, well, what do you want? Like, what are you going to compromise to lose an extra five pounds? And are you really, truly going to be happy? You know, so I think it's important to look at what is the driver behind the extra weight loss? Yeah, such an important message. You are doing such important work. Where can people find you? Yeah, no, thanks for asking. You know, I'm I'm on Facebook and Instagram. It's just Kim Shaper, K-I-M-S-C-H-A-P-E-R. You can also go to my website. It's been messed up recently, but it's still okay. KimShaper.com. Yeah, that's typically where you can find me. And I love helping and supporting women. And I, I try to give out, you know, as much free content as I can so they can be their own health advocates. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all of that information because it can feel so confusing. And I think it's really nice to have it put in like a very clear way. Yeah, it really does. And I think, again, the biggest piece to remember is just looking at number one, being honest with yourself and it's like, okay, what are what are things that I could be doing better? And I, I think nutrition is big and just trying to move to some capacity and looking at your stress and sleep, you know, and just baby steps. It doesn't have to be all changed right away. 100%. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you.